Father in heaven, thank you for your many blessings, for this beautiful place where we're able to meet. We ask that you be with us today as we study how to uh, make our message known to the rest of the world. You know there's been some challenges with the presentation this morning, and I ask that you uh, guide and direct and give me the right words to say. pray in your name, amen. All right. Most of you were here yesterday, so I can just skim through the first part uh, real fast. Um, those of you that weren't here yesterday, if you will put your name and email address on that sheet of paper, I will be happy to email notes and PowerPoint slides to you. Uh, I didn't have them ready in time to have them printed and handed out, so, which is not a bad thing because things changed drastically this morning, which you'll hear about in a minute. All right. Of course, the first question, those of you that don't know me, you're asking, who is this guy and why is he standing up here? So let me run through really quick. I won't take as much time as I did yesterday. So those of you that were in yesterday's class, you don't have to, have to worry about it taking too long. I've been in marketing since the early 1990s. I've switched over to primarily online marketing in 1995, about the time Netscape uh, launched their IPO and became one of the most dominant browsers in, uh, at that time period for a brief period. I've worked as a copywriter in website development, spent a lot of time in email marketing, and have owned and operated several businesses, including manufacturing and online marketing services, as well as uh, information publishing. Currently, I'm a licensed business consultant. I am a certified search engine optimization copywriter, which means that I work, uh, I've, at least this certification is at the intersection of search engine optimization and copywriting, so that, that I have learned a lot about keyword research and how to write uh, so that the search engines like what you see, as well as the uh, person actually reading it. I'm the technical director for the Center for Online Evangelism. We help churches, schools, and ministries with their online presence. We provide some technical services as well as online marketing services. And it's my job to keep the staff busy, keep them organized, and keep them current with best practices, make sure that we're doing things that are, are actually helping and not damaging our clients. So, who are you? I know the ones that were here yesterday, the re those of you that are here this morning, what type of agriculture operation or interests are we, do we have represented in the room? I, I know you weren't here yesterday, so. Well, what we are going to talk about will fit right in there. And you, you said you were launching a bit, uh, website yesterday. Okay, okay. And I don't believe I saw you in the class yesterday, so. Now, is this a repeat? No, this one's not a repeat. This is going to kind of build on, on what we talked about yesterday, but it's, it's even if you don't have yesterday's information, it's still going to make sense. Okay. I'm going to try to make it make sense. Okay, good. Make sure that you pick up, uh, Audioverse is going to have the recordings of all the sessions available. So you'll want to pick up the one that we did yesterday because we spent seven hours talking about the basic uh, elements of setting up a website and uh, making it 
getting it visible and getting traffic to it and so on. So okay. you'll you want to. I'm stuck on setting it up. <laughs> we we went into some detail on that, so uh, you might want to to uh, listen to that. Don't need to. I'm going. I'm just going to send it all out to everybody. No. I should, but I'm not that organized. So. Anybody else need to get their name on there? All right. So it sounds like, like of the ones that were not here yesterday, some of you have websites, some of you don't, and. The question I always like to ask is, are you getting the results that you want from your website? Well, you haven't had yours up long enough to know yet, so. Well, I, have, I have another one for evangelism that's up, mm -hmm. but I need information for that one. Okay. All right. Well, as you might tell from, from the name of the organization I work for, evangelism is one of the online evangelism is, is what our real focus is. So... Hopefully, we've got some things to offer that we can help you out with. And we already know how many of you were in the all-day session yesterday. Okay, classroom etiquette. You know, teachers have rules. My rule is that if you don't understand something, please interrupt me. Uh, this happened yesterday. There were several times where I had, I was using terms that I thought everybody knew because they're very basic to me. Interrupt me. Ask me because I do not want you to be confused. And there, there will probably be a time or two where I'll say, you know, here's the basic definition. We're going to cover it in more detail a little bit later on in the presentation. But please stop me if I use words that are not understood. Okay, so here's an overview of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to get more visitors by combining social media, content marketing, and search marketing. We're going to talk about how to build an audience that can't wait for your next product. However, I have to give you an advance notice that this one kind of got pulled apart and mushed into several other elements. So you're not going to see another slide that says this is how you do it. If any, at any point it's not clear and you, this is a burning question you have, ask me when we get to the, to the question time and I'll be glad to elaborate a little bit more. How to make more money from your site, how to make any money from your website. Uh, we're going to be covering that. And how to use your site for an outreach and evangelism tool without alienating your customers because uh, the, those of you that want to use the online world to, to augment your income or even to be your primary source of income, you do not want to alienate your visitors. It's very easy to chase them off. We've all seen the, the or heard the stories or seen the results when somebody goes through town and, and leaves uh, books and papers about the National Sunday Law on everybody's windshield and all of a sudden Adventists are no longer uh, thought up very well in the town. You don't want to do that to your website. You do this to your website, you will lose your visitors. You will lose your clients. There are ways to do it. Um, what's the saying? Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And so we're going to be covering some of that. Those of you that were here yesterday, you remember I said that I spend every morning about an hour going through industry 
publications, newsletters, trade journals, and so on, trying to stay current with what's going on. This morning, I ran across two articles that kind of trashed about half of what I was planning on talking about this morning. <laughs> so uh, the presentation will not be quite as smooth as I had hoped, but we'll get through it. Uh, it turns out that there's a little trend that's happening called content crush. And it means that there is so much content out there that people are not able to consume it all. And we all have a finite amount of time. There's only so much time that we can spend reading or consuming content. There are millions and millions of people out there that are creating content. And they're creating it faster than we can consume it. And so in the last week, several major uh, marketers, online marketers, have released their statistics for this year. And they're finding that at least half of the content that they've created this year got less than eight shares. And we're talking about large marketers that have large staffs, have large budgets. They know what they're doing. They test everything. And they're getting, they're finding that half of their content got less than eight shares, eight, less than eight people shared it. And 75% of content gets absolutely no shares. So I was planning on spending a little more time because in the last two years, content has been the thing. It's, you know, you want to get traffic to your website, you want to get visitors, you create content, you share it on social media. I'm still choosing to look at this as a glass half full type of thing because 50% did get shares, did get engagement, did get people sharing the content on social media. It changes a little bit though what we're, how we're going to use that strategy, how I'm going to recommend that you use that strategy because uh, I want you to be successful with what you're doing. I don't want you to, to just spend time and effort creating content to share on social media, spending time on social media and then nothing happens and you say, well, Dave really didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, so we're going to, to make some adjustments. The first section, we're going to go back and discuss a little bit more about email marketing. We covered it some yesterday, but it was toward the end of the day and it was moving fast. And we need to spend a little bit more time on this because this is, given the decreasing impact of creating content for social media, you need to make the most of what impact you are going to be able to create. And then we're going to talk about social media, search, traffic, and the content marketing. And then a little, little after we're done with that, we're also going to talk about video marketing and go into a little bit of detail there. So why, why do we want to bother with email marketing? Is an email dead? You know, email's been around for a long time and, and it's not the newest thing. There's not really any innovations happening in the market. Uh, not like there is with social media. You know, new, new social media platforms popping up almost every day, it seems like. Do you know there's more than three times as many email accounts in the world as there are Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn combined? Now granted, a good portion of those are, I've got 
six of them at least of my own. And you have a large corporation and they may have hundreds of them. But it still is a fact that there are more email accounts than there are social media accounts. It's 14 times more likely that your email message is going to be seen than a social media message. If any of you have ever, how many of you have ever used Twitter? Anybody use Twitter at all? Does everybody, does anybody, everybody know what Twitter is? All right, a couple that don't know. Twitter is a social media platform. You're a, you post to your account, you're limited to 140 characters. And it's, it's got some, some uses for business and some for social, and it's, but it's becoming a little bit less of a safe place in the last year or so. It's turned into a, a, a place where there's lots of fights that go on. But it still has some business purposes. But if you ever have a, ever have a Twitter account and you, you look at it and you're following a number of people, you will see messages scroll by so fast that you almost can't read them because they're going through so quickly. My email box looks like that sometimes. Uh, but it's still much more likely that an email message is going to be seen than a social media message. And when an email subscriber buys, their email subscribers are more, about four and a half times more likely to buy than somebody that's following you on a social media account. So if you are selling a product or there's an action that you really, really want these people to take, you need to get them on your email list because once they're on your email list, they're more likely to take that action that you want. So one of the email marketers that I follow says that email subscribers are 63 times more valuable than social media followers. So he's going to make 63 times more money off of his uh, email subscribers. So email marketing is not just sending out emails to people. It's not just collecting emails and sending them out. There's there's a number of, of principles involved. A funnel is an example that I like to use. So first you want to attract somebody and this is where the social media type of, of activity comes in. You can get, uh, you get people attracted to your message. You attract them to the website, you capture them, capture their name, their email address at the website. You engage with them by sending them relevant content. You, over a period of time, you build trust, and then you move them to action. And that action can be anything. That action can be requesting Bible studies. That action can be buying a crate of mandarin oranges, mandarins. It can be uh, attending a gardening class. Whatever action you want. Once you've got them on your email list, if it's relevant to what they want, you, know, you, you can't sign up somebody they're thinking they're getting a gardening email list and now you're talking about antique cars. You can't do that. It's got to be relevant to the market. So the simple, simplified process, create content, share it on social media, get visitors to your site, capture their email, build a relationship with them and sell them stuff or get them to take action. So obviously it's a little harder than that or we would all be rich. So let's take a look at little 
at the foundation that you're going to need in order to make this happen. You're going to need a strong website, and we covered that yesterday. Remember, we talked about fresh, unique, and relevant content. If you are going to, to be online, this is important. And I said it a number of times yesterday, and I'm going to say it again today. Content has to be fresh, unique, and relevant. It doesn't do any good to, to mix and match your, your messages. You shouldn't have a website that talks about gardening and antique cars unless you're using the antique cars as flower beds. Then, then you might find somebody that's interested in reading it. But your website should be very focused. And any, any subcategories that you have on your website should make sense. So if you, for example, if you were doing gardening, it might be all right to have several different types of gardening, but don't jump across uh, complete market boundaries. So with the email marketing infrastructure that you're going to need in place, you're going to need email management software. We talked about that and we'll go a little bit more detail. You're going to need landing pages and you're going to need to have a plan, an editorial calendar, a schedule so that you don't have to sit down every week and say, oh man, what am I going to do this week? Man, I have, to, I have to create some content again. If you create a schedule, an editorial calendar, you will find that it works so much easier. Of course, this goes back to what we were talking about yesterday with all the planning that you do before you ever touch the computer to start building your website. So let's take a look at that marketing, email marketing infrastructure a little bit more. You're going to need an email marketing, an email management solution of some kind. And, and I, I'm going to put these three up here again just because these are the three companies that I have had any contact with, uh, any experience with, or friends that have used them. What these companies do is they manage the email list for you, although they don't, it's all automated, so there's not any personal activity that's happening there. But when you have somebody subscribe to your email list, this, this solution will take care of the subscription. It will automatically send an email asking them to verify that they wanted to, to subscribe in the first place. Um, and you can schedule when subsequent emails are sent out. You can send out one email that goes to everybody, or you can set up a series of emails, and we'll talk about those in just a moment. So why do you need it? Can spam is a law that was passed, I don't know how many years ago. It's been long enough now that it's, it seems like everybody knows about it. But it's a series of... of things that you must do when you are emailing people uh, in any kind of bulk, with any kind of regularity, except outside of personal relationships. There are things like at the bottom of each email, you must have a valid address, mailing address. Uh, and as I recall, it's got to be a physical address now instead of a post office box. There has to be a, a place where they can unsubscribe by hitting one link, clicking on one link, and they can be automatically unsubscribed. And a couple of other things. Yes? Uh, I've never understood why I have to unsubscribe. 
Well, if you didn't subscribe to it, then you shouldn't have to. But, and, and just like any law, just because this is a law doesn't mean that everybody complies with it. However, it does mean that there are some pretty stiff penalties for those who get caught and successfully prosecuted. Unfortunately, like telemarketing, it's one of those things that if you really don't care about following the law, you can get away with it as long as you're willing to move your, your base of operations around a little bit. But it's true, you shouldn't have to. And that was one of the reasons why this law was created, so that you could not be just automatically subscribed to a list. So unfortunately, like I said, it, there's, the law was created in an attempt to solve a problem because there were so many people who didn't really care about you know, best practices or anything like that. And, and the worst offenders just changed their operations a little bit and continued sending us things that we didn't ask for. However, those of us who try to comply with the law often seem to be at the most risk of getting in trouble from them because we're trying, I mean, we not get it completely right and you know, it can cause problems. If you have a, one of these email management accounts, the compliance is m much simplified because that unsubscribe link is automatically put in. It forces you to, to put in the address into your account so that it automatically puts it in the footer of every email. Uh, so all of this compliance stuff, there are some things that you can change in, inside your account and not be in compliance, but you have, to, you have to work at it. So this is a big thing for those of us that, that have business operations that live online. Uh, that compliance, you don't have to worry too much. Are you, do you have everything covered? Because when you set up your account, you know, they insist on, on you filling out all the fields that, that put you in compliance. Deliverability, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. All of these email management providers work very hard to make sure that nobody is sending out spam. And, and if you're not familiar with the term, spam is unsolicited email, email that you didn't ask to get, uh, email that's trying to sell you something you have no interest in. And when there are complaints sent in to internet service providers, email providers, uh, because of this can spam law, they can shut down the account. You can shut down your account or the email account that's, be, that's sending it. And so this is a, a reason why you might want to use one of these services. They work very hard. They provide tools so that you can check your emails for words that trigger spam filters. And so you can reduce the number of complaints that you're going to get. They work very hard to maintain open relationships with the service providers so that email gets delivered. And it's nice to have that, you know, without having to figure it out all for yourself. And it's a lot more convenient. You go to, a, go to the website, open up your account, and you can type in your email. You can click and have it sent to 10,000 people on your email list if your list is that big. Or you can set up a sequence. And this is one of the things that uh, really makes email marketing effective. An autoresponder is an email that's sent automatically when something happens. So let's say 
somebody comes to your website, and we'll talk about the, the mechanics of, of landing pages and so on in a minute, but somebody comes to your landing page on your website and they enter in their email address and they want to get a free ebook that you're offering. Once they do that, they'll get a, an email back asking, are you sure? We can't send you any information until you tell us for sure that you really want this. When they click on that link, they get automatically they get another email that says, okay, Dave, here's the link to download that book that you wanted so badly. Then they can set up the, the uh, sequence so that now I get an email maybe every day for the next seven days. You can set it up so that there's an email course. It's a very common strategy to set up a seven-part email course. So you sign up for it, and every day the person gets an email, the next lesson in the course. And so what's nice about that, I can sign up today, and I get day one today. You can sign up tomorrow, and when you sign up, you're going to get day one. So this, and you can sign up on Sunday, and you get day one. We all are getting the emails that's appropriate for us and when we signed in, not just a broadcast. Now, trying to do that as an individual, you know, just from your email account, you'd go crazy. Let's see, what day was it you signed up? What day are you on? You know, you'd have to have a, a spreadsheet there that you, you would be making mistakes constantly. So this is automated, and the automation is, is pretty necessary if you're going to have a successful email marketing campaign. Any questions about that so far? I'm going to say yes, but I'm not, I don't know, I've never set one up like that, where it re depends upon a response. It could be done, I'm sure, because I know that there are other people that, that have a model where they're looking for a response. So yes, it could be done, but I couldn't tell you which of these companies would do it the best or anything like that. A lot of people like MailChimp. A lot of people have used it and a lot of people like it. I have not used it. Um, and it may just be based on old information. There was a time where they charged you for the number of emails that you sent out. And it, there were a couple of other things that weren't weren't appropriate for what I was wanting to do. So, I, like I said, it's old information and I, I don't know currently what the situation is. Every one of these will charge you according to how many email addresses you have. So the more, you know, if you have 10,000 email addresses, you're going to pay more than if you have 1,000 emails. So uh, you have to keep that in mind. But there are a lot of people who use it and I get a lot of emails from, from the MailChimp system. One thing that you want to do, if you're going to get into this and you want to do some emails, one of the things that I would suggest strongly is do not get one that sends out a, an ad at the bottom of the email. There are a number of them that are free, but when you send out the email, they attach their little ad down in the footer. You don't ever want to do that because you're dividing the attention of your audience and you're you're just sending them your competitor's ad. So it's worth forking out a few dollars a month for one of these accounts where nothing goes except what you have asked them to, what you've sent out. I use Aweber. 
and it's just because they were one of the first ones out and I've had an account with them for so long and I've been happy with them. It's $19 a month. And I believe that that's pretty much a standard. What varies is how many email addresses that'll manage for you. So in my case, I think I have, I get a thousand email addresses without it going up any higher. And even when it goes up, it's not all that expensive. But it will save you, it will save you hours to be able to use one of these. Okay, landing pages. When you are doing, an e when you are trying to build an email list, please do not send people to your home page of your website. Um, we'll talk in a, in a minute about how you get people to come to your your site to sign up for your email list, but they should not come to just any page. It should be a very specific page, and they're called landing pages. Landing pages have all of the other navigational elements stripped out so that there's no, no menu up here on the top. There's no menu of links on the side. There's just a landing page. And as a matter of fact, let me show you, show you a landing page so that you can see the difference, assuming the internet picks up. Okay, this is our website, Center for Online Evangelism. And next year, we're going to have a live online event. So this, this page, you can see there's all kinds of information on it, and it could be distracting. I don't even have a link here for somebody to sign up to our email list. But to promote our event, and this one, I didn't take the time to strip out this navigation code, so I'm not following my own suggestions. Fortunately, this site is going to be undergoing a major overhaul this next month, so that's one of the things we'll take care of. But you see, this is, this is our, our landing page. It's a little bit too large. You want this, ideally, to all fit on one screen. Right now, that one's too large, and I think it's because we didn't strip out the, the navigation bar at the top. But you can see we've got a headline. And over here, we talk a little bit. This is the features, some of the topics we're going to discuss. And then here's name, address, email address, and click Learn More. When you click Learn More, you're signed up to the email list. You'll get that confirmation email. This is a landing page. There are many, many different designs for a landing page, but this gives you the basic idea of what you're looking at for a landing page. Headline, a little bit of, of persuasive text of some kind, and the information you want to capture, and a submit button. It's, it's a combination. It's the format, but the, the primary purpose of a landing page is to capture the name and, and email address. And, and nowadays, the trend is to just ask for the email address and not the name. That depends a lot on what you're doing. There are some businesses where you really want that name, at least the first name, because when you send out the emails, you can personalize it automatically. This is another advantage of using one of these services. You can put in a little token at the beginning of your email and it will pull out the name of that person from your database and it will say, hi Dave, 
Dave here. Heard that you were interested in, in attending Mission Con and just wanted to let you know that things are progressing, you know, and so on. And, and you can put those tokens elsewhere in the email so that you can bring up the person's name and personalize the email. It takes a lot of work to do that correctly. So the trend is right now not to do it unless you have a, a product or service that you're, you're promoting that's very high touch type of thing where you really need that personalization in order to be persuasive. So the purpose of the landing page is to capture the email and put them on the list. The format varies a little bit, but this is very uh, common what you're going to see. They're also known as squeeze pages in the internet marketing world because it squeezes the visitor. They have two choices, sign up or leave. And that's what the marketer's interested in often. Yes? And the learn more does what? When you click on that, it, there's a piece of code in, the, in this form that sends it, it to AWeber, to my account at AWeber. So somebody put, we put their name and their email address in here. When they click learn more, it goes to AWeber. It's added to my account, to my email list. It sends the first email that says, uh, please confirm. When they click on that link, then it says, please, or then it sends another email that says, welcome, here's what you can expect. And it's the first welcome email. And all that's automated because it, it's set up and I don't, all those emails get sent and I don't have to touch them. I should go back and update them, but I haven't at the moment, but um, okay. If they click learn more, it won't go there unless they put the email. Right. See, yeah. See, I clicked on it and it didn't go anywhere. So I'd have to put in a name and I'd, it just goes to a thank you page from here once they've put in the, the uh, proper information. Landing pages are a whole science to themselves, like many of the things we've been talking about the last day or so. Uh, I can cover the basics and then give you resources to go to. I would recommend that you go look at leadpages.net they are a service, they sell a service, you do not have to buy it, but they have good educational materials on landing pages and email marketing. So I would recommend that you go and, and take advantage of those. Sign up for their email list. You can always unsubscribe when you get tired of it. But uh, good information and they are industry leaders in, web in uh, landing pages. They provide a service where, where they have templates and you can create the, the landing page and it's hosted on their server and, and everything. It it's streamlines this process dramatically. They also charge you dramatically. But uh, the results and the, uh, the additional services that they offer behind the scenes are often worth it if you've got a good product that's going to generate sales. Copyblogger.com, I recommend that anybody who's involved in online marketing should go to Copyblogger and sign up. They have a 20-part internet marketing course. They have 16 eBooks that 
each one of those ebooks probably has a, a value of $25 each. I've paid more for less information than I got from Coffee Blogger. So they are an industry leader. Whenever they say something, it's good to pay attention to them. And it was actually, they're one of the organizations that, that was reporting this week about the decline in sharing the shares in content, content engagement. So one of the, it's their fault that uh, we're getting a revised uh, presentation this morning. All right. And again, back to the plan, have a consistent schedule. You should be sending out at least one email every week. That's for the average um, basic business operation or whether it's, whether it's a ministry or whatever. It needs to be at least once a week because any longer, and they're gonna forget you exist. There is, and the consensus is it depends. <laughs> In, and the only statistics that I have in my head right now aren't really any, any business that would be applicable to anybody here in the room. Um, you have to test. And that's everybody that is being successful with this. They're testing and they're, they're looking at statistics and then testing and seeing what happens in their own case. So I say a minimum of one email per week. If you are, and every email should have some kind of a call to action, whether you want them to call or email or buy something. Well, for one thing, these, these companies that I've listed, they're not sending out mass emails. They're sending out, you are sending the email to people who have subscribed to your list. There are people who have set up so that everything goes to the trash, but you're in the minority. So it, you know, if, if I were to send you email and you wanted to get it, you would probably have to add me to your contacts to make sure that it's called whitelisting so that it actually showed up in your inbox, not your trash box. But you are, you are very definitely in the minority because most people don't have the time or the interest to set up how to how to create those filters so that everything is diverted. But you're unusual uh, because, and, and even, you know, when I'm talking about how, how great email marketing is, you have to think in terms of the old mail order and direct response. You're going to get about 30%. If you get 30% of the emails that you send out, let's say I send out an email today and it's to 1,000 people. If 30%, what's that, 300 people? If 300 people open the email, I'm going to be very happy. And this is just a reality of marketing. In the days when mail order, direct mail was at its peak, if, a mail, if, if the marketer could get a 2% response, he mails out selling widgets, and 2% and of the people that he mailed out actually buy a widget, he'd be ecstatic. So 98% of the people said no, 2% bought, and the mail order guy got rich. Email marketing is very similar, except our numbers are a lot, lot lower 
if you can get 30% to open your email, you're doing good. The thing that keeps it viable is that this week, 30% will open it next week. Some of the people who didn't open it this week will open it next week and so on. It, everybody's circumstances are constantly shifting. It also has to do with your ability to write headlines, uh, whether your content tends to be engaging as a general rule or whether it's boring, uh, whether it meets their needs. There are some people that I open every single email I get, but there's only about three or four of them other than personal contacts. Otherwise, I pick and choose. I might open one every two or three days. So it, you know, it just depends on who you are, who your audience is, and how they behave and what they're looking for. At least once a week so that at least they see your email come through. However, there are some markets and some situations where you can mail three times a day and they don't care. Nobody's, you know, you're going to have a few people unsubscribe, but the rest are taking action and buying and, and so on. I would not recommend that you try that because I don't think anybody in here has that type of business. But this is just to give you some idea of that, that phrase. It depends. It depends on your business. It depends on your your market depends on who the people are on the receiving end. The length of your email is going to vary, uh, again, depending on your market. It might be 50 words. It might be 400 words. You have to kind of get a sense of what your market's looking for and what works best for them. I assume that you're only sending it anyway to those who click on the Learn More link anyway. Yes. Only those who, we call it opting in. So they subscribed to my list, they opted into the list. Right. Yeah, I, if you send something that, that is unsolicited, you've broken the can spam laws. And they, if they want to be real pains about it, they can complain to the appropriate authority. If there's enough complaints coming through, then there's legal action that happens. So... Yeah, never, never send anything that, that somebody hasn't asked you to send, which is why I, by the way, when you wrote down your name on here, you gave me permission to send you an email. So, uh, you know, there's various ways to get that permission. Length, don't write, don't send, you know, whole books and chapters and so on. I, would, I don't think that I would see where a case where 400 words, you know, more than 400 words in an email would be appropriate. Uh, keep it short, chatty. With e-commerce, if you'll notice, uh, next time you, you order something online, look somewhere in the order process. Usually it's right near where you enter in your email address. There is almost, it's best practices. It's not always there, but it's best practices to have a little box there that says, please send me information, more information, offers, discounts, coupons, whatever you happen to be offering there. Sometimes the, you can usually set that little line up so that the box is checked by default and they have to actually uncheck it if they don't want to get your email. Uh, sometimes it's the other way around. You will actually get more people signed onto your list though if you have it checked by default. 
And people who are familiar with this, they look for that. They'll, you know, I look for it all the time. If I want to order something, I know I'm only ordering it one time because my wife did all the shopping and decided this is what she wanted and we've never bought from that company and we probably never will again. I click that box. I don't want to get flooded with offers and, and stuff. So that's the best practice. No, you can set it up for e-commerce. It would be just another little step in setting up the shopping cart so that it, it says send this email to Aweber or constant contact. Uh, because that email address is actually going to have to go in a couple of different places. It's going to need to go to your fulfillment department so that if there's a problem, they can email. But it also goes off to your, your email list management. Your emails should have a consistent voice. And that just means that it should sound like the same person is writing them every time. Uh, it may take a, a little bit of time for you to settle on the voice of your emails, and that's okay. But once you have, have a particular style of writing and communicating with people, try to keep it consistent. And again, that editorial calendar, if you'll plan out at least a month ahead, that's only four emails going by a one per week schedule. Plan out what those emails are going to be. I prefer at least six months. So if you plan out, here's what we're going to do each week. Now it's, it's the first Sunday of the month, and you, you know you need to sit down and write four emails. All you have to do is look at your editorial calendar and say, okay, I need to write about this, and then I'm going to write about that, and then I'm going to write about that. And it, it makes the actual creation session, the writing session, go really fast. Uh, and it helps you be consistent. So you can always mail out on Monday or always mail out on Wednesday or whichever day you've decided is, is the most effective. Now, here's another neat thing about these uh, company like A. Weber. You get those emails written, and you can load them in and say, send on this date. And then you can go on vacation, and the email is going to get sent anyway. And we'll talk about what to write about a little bit later. Okay, any questions so far? You guys have been really good about interrupting, so. All right, we get, get subscribers. How do people find out about your email list, your newsletter, or any of that other stuff? Social media posts that point back to a landing page Guest blogging, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. If you can find somebody that has a blog that has something to, that's relevant to your market, they, they have people reading their blog that you would like to have on your list, then find out if you can write a guest article for their blog. It's got to be good. It can't be promotional, but you can typically at the very bottom of your article put a little biographical 150 words or so, depends on, the, on whose blog it is and what their policy is, but you can put a little thing in there that says Dave Sharp is, is an online marketer. You can find out more about him at davidlsharp.com and, and please visit to you know, whatever, whatever I write. What I would do personally, if I were going to be working on this strategy, I would 
use what we were talking about yesterday about the opt-in bait. You guys remember we talked about that? Those of you that weren't there, people aren't going to just sign up on your email list just because you're a nice guy. You need to give them something in return. It doesn't need to be anything fancy or expensive. Typically, uh, the, one of the most common things is a, a file, an ebook, maybe five to 10 pages. It can be tips, a checklist, something quick and easy, doesn't take a lot of time to put together, but people say, you know what? That information's worth me turning over my email address to them. And I can always unsubscribe if I want to. So these, this little opt-in bait thing is what I would put in in the footer of a, of a guest blog. You know, Dave's a blogger at xyz.com, and if you're interested in learning more about this particular topic, you can pick up his free book on seven tricks that, that you ought to know to keep your family safe. Uh, you know, whatever I, and, and often, people will create a, a report or this opt-in bait specifically for the audience of that blog that they are guest posting for. It's a little unusual. You're not, it, it's going to be, it would be a challenge to generate any income from it. But if that's not your goal, then, then that's not a big deal. <laughs> okay. But all you'd have to do is set up Google Analytics in, in there to track the traffic. And that'll tell you who you or at least where your visitors are coming from and how many you have. So, but if, if you're not trying to monetize the site, it's, there's a lot of websites out there like that. You just don't know unless you're looking in the right places. Most hosting companies, and these are the companies that, where your website lives, the, they have the computers where your website lives, often have a free tracking package called AW Stats. And if you take some time to learn how to read it, it's not easy to read because it's, it's one of those free things, you know, but uh, you can get some useful information out of it. The best thing to do is actually to set up Google Analytics on your website, and there's a process. Just go to Google and look at their tutorial on how to do it. You set up the analytics, and then you can check into that account anytime and see who's come into your website and what country they've come from, what time of the day, and a few other little pieces of information. So you can find out when the hackers from Russia have been hammering your website, trying to hack in there. Or you can find out that they were from Russia. You should probably have somebody look at your computer now because there's a good chance that they installed a virus on there while, you were, while they had control of it. Yeah, Macs are still vulnerable. The, uh, they're not as invulnerable as they used to be. So, yeah, if anybody ever calls you and wants to take control of your computer, hang up on them. All right, subscribers, solo ads. And we're talking about building an email list. So one of the ways that you can build your email list the fastest is to find other people who have an email list with subscribers like you want. And many, many, many of these list owners will sell an ad space to you. And they will basically email your ad to their list. 
And so you can build a list very quickly using solo ads and it, it can, it varies. You can pay as little as $20 for a spot you know, to get a, to get a, uh, a solo ad. You can pay $200, you can pay more. It just depends on the size of the list, how much demand it is, how often the list has been mailed to, uh, a variety of factors. But this is similar to, we talked about yesterday, you know, how AdWords is a good way to get traffic to your website. If you have something to sell, you, know, you need to have some money, some way of making a sale because AdWords costs you money to do. Building an email list using solo ads is a similar case. You're not going to make your money back immediately, but you can, it's, it's a very economical way to do it very quickly rather than waiting for a year to build up to a sizable list. And if you're interested in, in doing this, just Google solo ads, email solo ads. Uh, you can also find people that have uh, that obviously have lists that are similar to what you're wanting to do, and you just email them and ask them if they if they ever do solo ads, and they'll they'll email you back and let you know yes or no. Joint ventures is a similar situation, but but a little bit different in that that you and I have similar uh, similar people on our email list, and I say I'll I'll email an ad to my my list for you if you'll email one for me. And so it's kind of a, a co, uh, cross venture type of thing where we're helping each other out. And that happens more than you would think where people are willing to, if the lists are of equal size and of, of same type of market and so on. Uh, and it never hurts to ask. Search traffic, uh, we talked a lot about this yesterday traffic coming to your website when you if you are going to be working on building an email list every page should have a way to get the email now this is different from the landing page that I was telling you about but every page on your website there should be a way for somebody to sign up for your email list there are many ways to do that but this is how you capture that search traffic uh, somebody has come and they've landed on your page that talks about how to raise rabbits. And they are reading the page and then they notice over here you've got a, a box to sign up for your email newsletter. And they'll go over there and sign up. Some will. So every person that you can get on your email list uh, has some kind of value to you. If you are selling products, you can use a rule of thumb that I've, I talked about yesterday. You can use the rule of thumb that every name on your email list can be worth one to two dollars per month. So if you've got a 5,000 name list, you, know, you can do the math. This works really well for those that are selling information products. All right, recommended resources. If you're interested in getting into email marketing, I would recommend that you pick up this book, Ask by Ryan Levesque. It's a relatively new book and I just finished going through a course with Ryan where he went into really deep detail on this process that he's developed. He has a process for email marketing 
that starts by finding out precisely what his list wants and then providing it for them. So anybody who's interested in, in making email marketing successful, he doesn't talk about autoresponders or that other type of stuff, you know, how to set them up. This is strategy for email marketing and it's very powerful. Copy blogger, of course, boostblogtraffic.com. I recommend that site. Uh, John Morrow is very good with headlines and writing, and this is stuff that you would find useful. Okay, we're gonna talk about social media here in a moment, so why doesn't everybody stand up and stretch and turn around and stomp your feet, whatever you need to do? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.